Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. Lead us into the time where we're going to spend as a church family together at the tables by just speaking a little bit from the Word of God. And if you want to flash up that slide, we're calling it Connection Sunday. Now on your bulletins, you should have a copy of our church logo. Um... On the very top of it, do you see that? If you look at our logo, the most prominent thing is that little thing of wheat, and then there's a circle. That logo is very symbolic. It represents the harvest, which is the world and the wheat. We want to see God draw people to himself. But the community part is symbolized by that little squiggle at the bottom. Do you see it? It looks like interconnecting links. This photograph that you see is what that little squiggly represents. It's hands joining together, the idea that we're not just going to reach the nations without reaching each other. We are meant to be a family that loves one another. And this Sunday represents our commitment to forming meaningful relationships. Now, as the firstborn son, and for a long time, the only one of my parents' sons who lived in the United States, it fell to me to serve as their IT tech support nerd. Okay? Uh, I'm trained in microbiology and theology, not IT, but I have a real interest in computers. So that was my job. At least I knew more than my mom and dad, so that's what I did. And I remember once, I'll never forget this, I took a phone call from my mom, and she said, the printer's not working. She was so frustrated. And I sat there and I talked her through everything on the phone, diagnosing it, still no dice. So I finally said, Mom, i got to drive up there. And it's 45 minutes to get up to Libertyville from where I live. And I drove up, and I I opened the door to their office, and I looked, and after some jiggling around, what I realized was the USB cable was unplugged from the printer. Don't know how it got unplugged, but it was just nestled at the edge of the socket, but it wasn't plugged in. I learned a couple things. One is, it's really frustrating to drive 45 minutes to plug in a switch. Okay, But the other is, proximity is not the same thing as connection. Okay? And what I mean by that is we're packed in pretty tight. You're sitting at a table with a bunch of people, but right now you're just looking up at me. That's safe, isn't it? You see that there are other humans at your table out of your periphery. Some of these people, you have no idea who they are. You're kind of dreading, am I going to have to get to know these people and bear my soul and make small talk? The truth is, it's possible to go to the same church for years and not be able to connect a name to a face. And you know the truth is, since we've moved out to this high school in June, we've grown numerically quite a bit. But with that numerical growth, one of our constant practices in our home is we invite newcomers just randomly into our house for dinners just so we get to know them. And as we're listening to what some of the the relative newcomers to our church are saying, never before in the history of our church have I heard as many times that it's hard to break into the fellowship of our church. It's hard to make connections, hard to get to know people. And it's not just because our church is filled with unfriendly people, but it's because I think as we get bigger, we're going to simply have to be much more intentional about meeting people and building friendships. I don't think it's just going to happen naturally anymore. There was a time in, in our church's history where the entire church was about those first two tables over there. You had to really try hard not to know everyone. I mean, you had to be a sociopath not to know everyone in those days. Those days are gone. Today you're sitting in a room filled with around 200 adults, maybe more, 
That's not a huge number, but that's big enough that you can get lost in it and you, you have that awkward feeling of like, I met you once, I, I should know your name, but I don't, so I'm going to avoid you for the rest of history. Rather than just going, dude, I met you once, what was your name again? I want to say Mike. Oh no, it's Malcolm. And you just say, oh, okay, great, thanks for the correction. To make it easier on you, we've got name tags today. Keep them on until you go home. Take them off only when you get into your vehicle. That'll help us get over that awkwardness of what was your name again and just go, hey, Tom, like you've known each other all your lives. That'll help us a great deal. Okay? This morning is our, our bid to really help us connect. And in order to set a biblical foundation, I'm going to spend the next 10 minutes or so just laying out something from God's Word that will help frame your thinking about why this is important. And it comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Can we flash that up there? Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 to 47. Listen to what it says. This is a description of the early church in Jerusalem shortly after Jesus ascended to heaven. It's very familiar to us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I've preached on this passage before, and as I went over it, there's just so much there. I'm tempted to preach another one-hour message on it right now. I'm not going to do that. I couldn't possibly do justice to this passage in 10 minutes. So I'm just going to give you a couple pieces of highlight film, okay? And the first is that the church is not just about connecting vertically. It's about connecting horizontally. Now listen, I recognize that we're all wired differently. How many of you in the Myers-Briggs are extroverts? ease. Raise your hand. Yeah, we're crazy people. We get energized. In fact, after you can put your hands on. After a cocktail party or something to get together, you're like wired. You can't fall asleep. <laughs> I need more people. How many of you are introverts? That doesn't mean you're shy or socially awkward. That means after you've worked the room, you, got, you need a couple um, you know, very strong pharmaceuticals and a bottle of scotch and just you need to sleep because it's too much for you. All that human contact just drains you of power. I know that our approach to the church is often flowing out of the way God's wired us in our temperament. But you need to know that you cannot spiritualize your personality. The weakness of often of those who are extroverted is we're so into people we forget God and the quiet contemplation that builds the soul. And those who are introverts love alone time with Jesus. It's just that they, this church would be great if it weren't for all the people. Right? If we could do e-church where you could sit in your underwear and give offering with a PayPal and all that, you'd love it. We're never going to do that. The truth of the church is this. It is as much about connecting with God as it is about connecting with people. There is a sequence you connect first to God. Don't get that wrong. Don't get that out of order. But in the same breath, when, when somebody asked Jesus what's the greatest command, he never just said, oh, it's to love God, and he stopped talking. Even though he was only asked for one, he gave two, didn't he? Love people! 
the way you love yourself. You can't separate a love for God from a love for people. It absolutely matters to God that we connect with each other in this church. If you think that's not important, you need to read your Bible again because it is of critical importance to God. Just look at verse 42 again. Just flash it up, would you guys? Verse 42 of this passage, in the same one sentence, in the same breath, he talks about devoting to the apostles' teaching, which is what you're doing right now. You're, and I'm not an apostle, but you're listening to teaching from the Bible. And then prayer, those are the spiritual activities. But in the same breath, he talks about fellowshipping and breaking bread. Translated to simple English, just hanging out and eating together. Without skipping a beat, all four of those activities are spoken of as equally spiritual and vital to the health of the fellowship of the church. In other words, you can't separate those two things like, shut up, stop talking, I'm listening to the sermon, and when it's done, I'm bolting for the car before all of these people flood out what God said to me. Now, there are days when you need to do that because God's powerfully met you through the Word. But most days, you need to value these people nearly as much as you value how God's met you. When you listen to Jesus' prayer in John 17, man, the night before he was crucified, he was agonizing over one thing in particular, and that was the unity of those who would believe in him someday. Does it matter to God that we connect? Some people are going to be mad at me that I shortchanged you on the sermon so we could have table time talking to a bunch of people we'll never talk to again. Is this church? What kind of church is this? I thought this was a Bible preaching church. And We're not going to build a church where the Pharisees win. We're not going to build a church where we do everything by habit and forget that there are things meaningful to God that get very little airtime in the way that we've built churches in America. This is not something we're going to do every day because the Word of God is very important to our spiritual growth. But make no mistake about it, you will not be able to stay comfortably at this church very long if you hate people. Okay? If you're allergic to people, there are a lot of churches for you. Well, all you got to do is sit in an uncomfortable wooden pew, stare straight, give some money, and bolt. That's not this church. And so we're giving notice that we want to be a family, and families don't get built easily. It requires intention, doesn't it? Let me give you one more thing before I end up forgetting my, my promise to you in preaching an hour. And that is that as we get bigger, we have to get smaller. As we get bigger, we have to get smaller. We're working very hard to prevent us from becoming an 8,000-member church because I think something terrible is lost when you get that big. It's just really hard to connect in meaningful ways. But even in those churches, what they're doing well they're doing well because of smallness. Even an 8,000-member church will wither and die without a vital small group system. I can't say enough about this. What you don't see in these verses that we just read is that one verse earlier in verse 41, it says that after Peter preached the sermon of the century, at least 3,000 people joined the church that day. Are you ready for something like that? I mean... I I'm not the worst preacher in the world, but I can't imagine 3,000 people coming to Christ and joining the church after one sermon. That's what happened. They became a mega church literally overnight. And it's tempting when you read verses 42 to 47 to have this mental picture of this quaint, tiny little startup country church where everyone knows each other. But we're talking about a church that is over 3,000 people strong. And these descriptions are about that church. 
In other words, this mega church held it together and enjoyed intimacy because they were committed to smallness. Now, it was a commitment to smallness not by choice because they were a very unpopular religious movement. They had to go underground a little bit and meet in people's homes. That's not such a bad thing. Because as they met in people's homes, as much as they did in the temple, they also met in homes. Does that sound familiar to you? Sounds an awful lot like community groups, doesn't it? And as they did that, in that smallness, they really began to feel this genuine love and intimacy which the human heart was created to long for. So it's important then that even as we get to just around 200 that unless there's a smaller slice of this church you are communing with regularly, you're going to miss out on a big part of what it means to be in a church. I don't want anyone here to be an audience member. We are a family, and that's going to require something smaller. So if you're not in a community group, this is my most heartfelt plea and plug for that. You've got to get involved in community groups. Don't put it off any longer. You have no idea the poverty you are voluntarily enduring in your life by not becoming part of that. We don't make any money from having you in small groups. We don't gain anything extra. This is for you because this is when the church will start to become real to you. At the same time, if you read this passage carefully, there's this um, undeniable linkage between eating together and falling in love with people. Have you noticed that when you're trying to win a lady's heart, guys, what's the most... I mean, they say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. I really don't think that's true. I think the way to a woman's heart is through her stomach. Okay? I'm convinced men, just quantity, just feed me much. Women are the ones who are like, oh, 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 you're not taking me to that place, no way. And they're looking at the... They don't even look at what's, what the words. They just look at the number on the right, and they go for the highest number, and that's going to be yummy, and you really like me, right? That's, I guess that's a test. There's something we can't deny about the way the human heart opens up when we share food with each other. Praise God for our our food team. Every Sunday, they give us food that makes you want to stay here. You're like, White Castle or this stuff, forget White Castle, I'm staying here because it's good. And when you stay over the food, what happens? You sit a while with people and you talk. That's why we love having these people, random guests, just over to our home. Because when they enter, they, they enter relatively like strangers. When they leave our house, they are our friends. And there's something amazing whenever we've been invited into people's homes. We feel like, you know what? I don't know you like I'd known my lifelong childhood friends, but I know you now. I number you among those small group of people in this world who've let me into the sanctum of their house. And I really treasure that. One of the reasons that we encourage small groups to eat together is because in that small setting over food, something amazing happens. Even the business world knows this. Do you know at Amazon.com, Jeff Bezos instituted something called the two-pizza rule? Any project team that cannot be fed adequately with two pizzas is too large. That's hilarious to me. But even the business world knows when you get too big, it waters down the intimacy which we want. And so I'm encouraging you, don't just... You know what we do in fellowship time after church? Isn't that uncomfortable for just about everybody? You know, the Christian happy hour thing that happens back there? You you got a cup and you're like, I don't know. It's overwhelming. I don't think anyone really loves that time, which is why if this goes well today, we're going to try to do this like four times a year to at least give us 
a meaningful depth of connection with a smaller group of people. Are you with me? I can tell you that community group has value. My community group, the Palatine community group, and I say this not as a commercial but as a testimony, they are without doubt among my favorite group of human beings on this planet. I love this group. They have become my tribe. I'm not a member, I'm not a leader of that group, I'm a member, but I gotta tell you, I will go to things I don't necessarily want to be at if they're gonna be there because I love being around my group. Yesterday we endured eight hours of Omega training together, eight hours, y'all, at the same table, and then we went out to dinner afterwards like we hadn't had enough of each other. And to me, this is what I've been longing for for a very long time, is a group of people that I genuinely want to do life with, where it's not about work and getting the job done, it's just about we know each other, and I want to take care of you because I know you're going to take care of me. And I wish for all of us that we would find that kind of fellowship. And if you're in a community group and you're not, you're like, oh, that doesn't sound anything like my experience, then I ask you, dig in harder. Raise the bar. Give more. Expect more. Because your group can be exactly like that. Everybody in your group wants it, including you. We just got to go out there and get it. And I'm asking you today as practice that with this group of of relative strangers in your life sitting at this table that you dig in and decide, I'm going to get to know you a little bit today. I'm going to wrap up with this. I know that there's a voice in the back of your mind right now that's saying, really, who are these people in the big picture of my life? I'm kind of saturated. I got all the friends I need. I don't need you to become a piece of gum stuck to my shoe trying to find me every Sunday I know there's a, a, a part of you that's saying something like that. Like, I really don't want to get into this. That's the part of you that's going to kill our church, man. I'm just going to tell you right now. That's the part of you that's the, the red guy with the horn sitting on this shoulder. Flick him off and shut up. The one with wings on this shoulder is going, dig in. You never know what a stranger is going to become in your life. You never know. Some people I count as my lifelong friends. I never thought I was going to spend more than a week with them. But you just never know. So press in, dig into these relationships today and say, I'm going to practice with you what it's like to love another human being. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to live out Acts chapter 2, verse 42 in about an hour or less, maybe about 45 minutes. For the first 30 minutes, I'd like you to just share your story or introduce yourself to the other people in your table. I notice some of the tables are looking a little more than eight people, and so one of the first things you might have to do is review your math. And this is just so that you get the most value out of your time together. I don't want you to kick out one person necessarily, but volunteer yourself if you're, if you're at a table of more than eight, just to keep, keep the conversations flowing. Everyone gets around three minutes to introduce themselves. You don't have to fill the whole three minutes. Let me hear the size of relief. Some of you are like, dude... But I want you to try at least. And here are some of the suggestions. You can say, tell us the story of how you found your way to harvest. That's always a great story to tell. How are you ending up in this church? Another one is just tell us a quick Cliff's Notes version of your story. Your, wherever you want to begin, tell us who you are. Maybe another is tell us something that's really happening in your life that's defining you and you want to share it. Now that's a risk because you don't know these people, but it will really do a, a lot to tell them 
who you are and where you are right now. Does that make sense? So those are three suggestions. If you don't like any of those three, pick something else. But you got three minutes. And around two minutes shy of that 30 minutes, we're going to, or, or that 25 minutes, we're going to actually give you a little pleasant chime or we're going to let you give you some kind of two-minute warning when you've got to wrap it up. If you see somebody who's monopolizing the time and they're starting, once I was a zygote, and then, you know, like, <laughs> when they start from there, you're like, three minutes. Don't be afraid or don't be offended if someone goes, thank you. That's, that's harvest speak for be quiet now. Someone else's turn. Okay? After that, I'm going to call us all back to attend to the front, and then we're going to take communion at the tables together. But instead of the pastors and elders serving the elements, you'll be serving it to one another, and we'll give you some instructions on how that will run. And at the end of that time, then, you're going to pray. And because not everybody is comfortable praying, we're going to ask the table leaders either to pray for the table. By the way, you do have somebody at your table who is designated, I think in most cases, to be a table leader. A couple of our leaders went AWOL. Or you can just have one person who wants to pray for the group volunteer to close out that time in prayer. Are we all together? Now, here's the last piece. When the whole service is done, our children in Seed's children's ministry are working hard right now making snacks. The food ministry is overseeing it, but be nice to them. Don't like spit it out into a napkin in front of the kids and stuff like that, all right? You're going to go back there, get some food, bring it back to your tables, and in a more informal setting, you're going to just hang out for like 10, 15 minutes with the people you've been sitting with all service and just get to know each other a little more. And then when you feel like you're done or you've got to go, just go home. Even better yet, go out for coffee together and keep it going, all right? Are we good? Let me just pray for our time together, and I'm going to release you to your table time. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that though you are the most important person in this whole universe to us, you have filled our lives with other people. And we confess that there's an aloneness we feel inside that isn't always filled up by you. We need each other. And that was your plan and your design. And so today at Harvest, as we try so desperately to connect to each other, bless our efforts. Give us generous hearts. And we pray that every person in this room will feel welcomed in, loved, heard, and seen before they leave today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.